those again. Yeah, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hurrying along. The Bible says that the church age will end in a thing that we have labeled the rapture. It is not a Bible word, but it's still final problem. When the church is taken out, the Bible says we meet him in the air. That's not the second coming. Understand. Now, in the next week or so, I am going to start delving into the tribulation, the millennium, the second coming. But understand now that Zechariah 12 says that his feet touched the Mount of Olives, the mountain splits in two, there's a river that runs in the former and the hinder sea, and then he marches into Jerusalem and takes over the world and sets up a kingdom. This is not this. Okay? This is not that. We meet the Lord in the air very specifically. Okay? We are raptured out. Now, Here's why I went through all that with the kingdom. God says, Israel, you will serve me. Then he says to you, know ye not that you're bought with a price? He says, don't you know that you're not your own? Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit which are his. The Bible says you're not yours. You're God's. You've got to serve him or God will reach down and take you out. You're not your own. When God calls a people and gives them his name, they are his. Now, Israel, because of unbelief, crucified the Messiah and missed the kingdom. Now, let me ask you a question. When you had, when you had a kid or your kids now, when your kids got out of line, what did you do? You took out to a paddle and you blistered them good, didn't you? Why? For if you don't discipline your child, your child becomes unruly. The Bible says the rod of correction will drive it far from him. When the church goes out, God then turns back to Israel. And that is a time that we find that's called the tribulation. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. Chapter 24, pardon me. Matthew chapter 24. Now, if I have any holes tonight, I will come back in succeeding weeks and try and fill holes. Now, this is Jesus Christ himself talking. Jesus Christ himself talking. And um, hurrying along, the question is posed to Jesus. And look at verse um, 3. Interestingly enough, we're sitting on the Mount of Olives, the very place he'll come back to, according to Zechariah chapter 12. So we're sitting on top of this little mountain, and I understand, overlooks Jerusalem. It's in verse 3, And then he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, what shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Oh, you mean somebody is going to try and deceive us 
as to what the end of the world is going to be like? For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And shall, and shall hear rumors and wars and so forth, to save time to skip. Drop down to verse, verse 12, verse 11. Pick up the same thought. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. And we will go through that. Verse 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop come not uh, down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them who, that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the world, since the beginning of the world at this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall sow great signs and wonders, insomuch it were possible they should deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even, uh, even unto the west, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, verse 29, I'll stop. Immediately after, those, after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation. Now, you with me? Am I losing you because of excessive words? To understand this now, understand. God gets out his habit to disobedient Israel. Now, to take it out, the Bible says in Ezekiel that he would regather his people. 1918, the Balfour Declaration was signed. 1948, Israel was declared a nation and God regathered his people. It's been said that World War I prepared the, the world for Israel and World War II prepared the Jew for the land. World War I prepared the land for the Jew, and World War II prepared the Jew for the land. World War I, the, kingdom, the land was set aside. But what happened? The Jew owned Europe. He owned all the commerce. He was the rich merchant in the 30s. He was prospering. He's God's people. So you know what God did? God sent a man named Adolf down. And Adolf went down there and began massacring Jews and destroyed all the Jews' prosperity. And what did the Jew do? They ran back home. You know what God's done? God, in 1948, regathered his people. The Bible says in Matthew later on, that when you see these things come to pass, 
Not one generation will pass. Now here we go, 1948. Now, God's going to have a time of tribulation. Now, I will lay out the tribulation in detail, but let me just take you through and, um, and show you some things about this. Let me uh, turn to the book of Jeremiah, if you would. The book of Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. I'm not going to spend long here. I'm just going to substantiate, tie this thing back up with what's going on in Matthew chapter 24. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. The Bible says, Alas, for that, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. If you look at your Bible, that's the exact same words Jesus uses, Jacob's trouble. Now, let me show you something about studying your Bible. This Bible is the Word of God. Do you believe that tonight? Say amen. Okay. If this Bible is the Word of God, Jonathan, if this Bible is the Word of God, do you know what this, that means? This Bible is consistent because God's consistent. I'm going to make a statement, and you're going to, you're, you will see this is right. Every time you find the words that day in your King James Bible, you will find it always refers to the time from the starting of the tribulation to the second coming. To the millennium. There's about an eight or nine year period that refers to that day, that day, that day, that day. And you'll fit all through scripture. That day, that day. Now, I eventually want to get you all the place to where you'll be able to turn to Psalm chapter 91 and say Psalm chapter 91 is a Jew in the tribulation hiding from the Antichrist. I want to get you to the place when in Psalm 23rd, 33rd Psalm, where you can say that that's the Jew going through the tribulation. I want to get you to the place where you can go to Isaiah chapter 62 and say that's a Jew in the millennium. But you know how you do that? God has put road signs in the book. You study words. Anytime you see that day, the day, the great day of the Lord, the day is always the day when God sets up that seventh day and that seventh day begins at the second coming of Christ. That day, the day of rest, that day, that day, that day. It's very important. Now, from here on, you will begin taking words in your Bible. And you'll begin taking those words and running those words all the way through Scripture like I am doing. And every time you see the word net, you'll know that's the, the Antichrist, the tribulation, netting Jews before he takes them into slavery. Every time you see the word that day, every time, I mean, just any word you take, we can take that thing and run it through, and it always means the same thing because God is consistent. Okay? So Jeremiah 30, he says, Alas, for the great day of the Lord is there, and I'm not there anymore. Talks about Jacob's trouble. And the rest of the chapter, he comes through there and mourns God taking and wiping out Israel. Now for time tonight, and I want to get out of here pretty quickly. For time tonight, we'll come back to the tribulation. But let me say this to suffice, and we'll come back later in detail. The tribulation is a seven-year period that starts, according to the book of Daniel, when the Jew signs a covenant with the Antichrist. That's when it begins. 
Israel sits down as a nation and signs a covenant with the Antichrist who's running some world governments. And the Bible says, uh-oh, you've done it now. And he begins, he signs that covenant with Israel, and the tribulation is divided into two sections of three and a half years. And I will come through this with you later. The first three and a half years, everybody's saying, peace and safety, peace and safety. The Antichrist is solving the world's problems. Israel's back in the land. They, do you realize they built a temple and dedicated it last August? There now is a temple in Jerusalem again. And the Bible says that they're going to be doing oblations, sacrifices, in, in, pardon me, in the tribulation. And they're going to be coming back to God. And all of a sudden, they're going to see this thing is right, and they're going to start coming to Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Antichrist is going to say, uh-uh. And according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 12, the Antichrist steps up and says, no more sacrifices. And he goes into the temple of God and gets in the Holy of Holies and sits in there and says, I'm God. And he says, now everybody will worship me as God or you'll be beheaded. And hence the dreaded mark. But it comes in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And at this time, uh, just a little tidbit, the Antichrist is killed. He shot in the right eye, or wounded the right eye and the right arm, and he dies. And the false prophet raises him from the dead, and he comes back to life, and the whole world is going to watch him while Walter Cronkite reviews the guy. I know that's a little graphic, but the world set up for it. We know he goes all over the world via the one-eyed monster at home. And the Bible says he's killed, and I'll come through that with you and show it to you. The Bible says he's killed, and he comes back to life just like Jesus Christ does. And he comes back to life and says, I'm God. And he builds a great big statue. And the book of Revelation says that the false prophet makes the image come to life. And it moves, and it talks supernaturally. And the whole world says, why, Jesus Christ is here. And they all fall down and kiss him. Psalm chapter 2. Kiss the son lest he be angry with thee. And they kiss the Antichrist and take his mark on their forehead or on their right hand. And the Jew, you know what he does? He says, I can't call you God because I believe Jehovah's God. And you know what he does? He runs. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, pray that your flight's not in winter. Pray that your flight's on the Sabbath day. Pray that when you're out there running from the Antichrist that you're not with child or you're not got one you're nursing. And they're out there and they're running and they're hiding from the Jew and I can show you verse after verse after verse. Two-thirds of that Old Testament is a Jew being out there being persecuted by the Antichrist in, in, in doctrinal times. Coming through that thing. And so the tribulation comes. But that's enough about the tribulation. Tribulation, the Jew is hiding out in Petra in the wilderness. The Bible tells you he's going to hide at He's hiding down in Petra. And all of a sudden, the forces of the Antichrist come around him. And he's sitting down and he's hiding. And according to Psalm chapter 18, write that down and go home and read it. Psalm chapter 18, the Antichrist is down there. The Bible says his enemy like a flood is around him. And all of a sudden, he cries out to God. And all of a sudden, God parts the heavens. And God comes down on a great, riding upon a chair. The Bible says in Psalm 18, you know what he does? There's a great, great massacre that day, and the blood comes up to the horse's bridle in the valley of Armageddon, 
It's actually the valley of Megiddo. Arma means mountain. Armageddon is the mountain of Megiddo. It's the valley of Megiddo. And he goes in the, in the valley of Armageddon, and he goes there and he slays 200 million, the Bible says, in one, in one vicious battle. And when he does that time, Jesus Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation, and his view is down there saying, God, don't hit me anymore. You've spanked me enough. I know that you're God. Zechariah chapter 11 says, They shall look upon me whom they pierce, and they accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and he calls upon them, and he comes back down, and he rescues them, and you know what happens then? He takes them back up. And, and I'll show you later on that the, the world still shakes their fist at God, the survivors, and then comes that great day that we call the second coming, when Jesus Christ says, enough. And the Bible, Revelation chapter 19, 11, And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and him that sat upon him, who was called faithful and true, and righteously judge and make war, he had a name written which no man knew, and so forth, and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword with which he should smite the nations. And he comes back at the second coming of Jesus Christ, and as he comes back at the second coming, he says, enough! Now, I'm going to go fast here. Matthew chapter 24, later on, Jesus talks about a, about a judgment. And he separates the sheep on one side and the goats on the other. It's a judgment called the judgment of nations of which God judges the world for how they treated the Jew in the tribulation. All unsaved people. Then God starts a kingdom that lasts a thousand years. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 19. And like I told somebody, whenever it was, that millennium is going to be for us a marriage feast in the Lamb. For we as the bride of Christ are married to God and are not saying sacrilegiously, are almost God ourselves because we have his body, we have his mind. And we sit there and God says, Jew, I promised Abraham way back here that I would give him a kingdom and his seed would reign over it in Genesis chapter 12 and I have done it and I have kept my word. But Israel, because you were so stiff-necked and stiff-hearted, I had to let you go and I had to finally turn my back on you and go to the people and save the Gentiles. But he comes back and he brings the Jew back. And at the end of the millennium is a thing called the Great White Throne. The Great White Throne is in Revelation chapter 20. Now look to be out of the Great White Throne. And the Bible says, and who the heavens and the earth fled away. And that thing is going to be suspended up in space somewhere. And everybody that's ever lived is going to be assembled there that's not saved. All the Old Testament saints will be judged there, whether they're saved or not. And the whole thing will come together. We'll lay that out for you in time. And it'll all come together that great white throne. You know what will happen to that great white throne? Heaven and earth are destroyed and gone. God makes a new heaven, a new world. And there's no more sin. You know what God does? God makes a new heaven. God makes a new earth. And you know what God does? God then takes and takes the time and does away with it. And we go into eternity. You see why I had to talk to you about the nation of Israel? Because the whole end of time deal with the Jew. 
I don't have time tonight to go through and take you through it and show you everything that, that uh, all the details. We'll do that in time if you, if you stick with me long enough. We'll do that. But the point I want you to do tonight is before I can go anywhere with you or teach you any Bible of any consequence, you've got to understand where we're at and what we're doing. You've got to understand that the next thing to take place is the rapture. And I hope if you don't, if you can't retain this, that you'll write it down. Because you need to know this. You know the next thing that happens is we go out. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Then the Bible says the thing called the Great Tribulation. After the tribulation, it's called the thing called the second coming. Then we have the judgment of nations. Then we have the millennium. Then we have the great white throne judgment. By the way, during the tribulation in heaven, we have the judgment seat. There are five judgments in the Bible. I'll take this film and teach it to you one day. Five distinct judgments in the Bible. Judgment of the cross, judgment of the believer, judgment of Christ. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And you understand where we're at. Now let me tie it all together by saying this. The seventh day was what? The millennium. Right? The rest. The millennium. Millennium means a thousand years. That's how long it's going to last. Revelation chapter 20 and verse Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. It just, it just means a thousand. That's the kingdom for Israel. That's all it is. It's the kingdom that God's been trying to get the Jew to take all these years. But because of their unbelief, they didn't enter in. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, here's two points. Christ was the, was the beginning of the fifth day. Six days, year 1,000. Seven days, the year 2,000. We're 1985. We're going to have a seven-year tribulation in there before the second coming. I told you I tied this together for you. The world was created 4,004 B.C. Christ was born four years before he was born. The world was four years off. Our calendar is four years off. You take four years off of that thing, you're up to 11 years. One other thing, Daniel chapter 9 says, the tribulation begins when they sign a covenant with Israel, the Antichrist. He's got to come to power yet. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he can't be revealed till we're taken out. Now, I'll go through all this with you. I'm not setting a date. All I'm saying is, it's here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Brethren, I have no need to write unto you of the times and the seasons. Isn't that the very thing that the disciples asked Jesus on the Mount of Olives? Will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Kingdom of Israel? It's not to know the times and the seasons. The Bible is always consistent. Do you see? All I'm telling you, I know of four more timetables in Scripture that agree perfectly with the seven-day week. And I'll take you through them. There's the four watches. Matthew chapter 12 or 13 talks about, about a 12-hour timetable. I mean, they're just they laid out in Scripture. God said, I declared it before I did it so that I would get the glory. 
Oh, Jean Dixon sure gets the glory when she hits one out of ten in the Globe magazine, doesn't she? God declared it from the beginning. Now, I'm not here setting dates. I'm not saying it's coming next Thursday at 10. Nobody knows that. All I'm saying to you is tonight, he's coming. And the age is almost up. In the last days, men shall depart from the faith, giving heed to producing spirits and doctrine of devils. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 just nails it down. And that's where we're at. The Laodicea in church in Revelation chapter 3 says that you're lukewarm, and because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And there are seven churches, or seven church periods that divide the, seven, the last 2,000 years. And today, our church, not us, the church is lukewarm. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody knows the Word of God. Nobody's teaching the Word of God. We're just all running around having a form of knowledge, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Christians don't have power. Christians don't have victory in their lives. They're not walking around with the power of God in their lives like the men in the Bible did. You know why? It's our time. Old Charles Haddon Spurgeon, old, 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 um, the old Wesley boys would get up in England and preach to 20,000 without any amplification and watch hundreds and thousands kneel in those cornfields and those wheat fields and get saved. Oh, David Brainerd went out to, the, out to the Indians, American Indians, a 28-year-old man, died of old age at 28, winning the American Indian to Christ. We don't have that kind of power today. We don't have any men of God today. Oh, there's a few, but that are doing, you know why? Because we have a whole, have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. I don't see blood. Now, I say all this to this. I've covered a bunch of material. I want you to get down tonight. All I want you to leave here with is simply this right here. Any day now, I did not expect to make it here tonight. All the way driving down the road, I kept thinking, I'm going to hear your voice. We'll do a study on the rapture sometime. Your heart will leap inside of you. It will be so joyous when your eyes see him and your body's changed and you get his mind. Oh, it's going to be grand and glorious. But you see, if I am going to begin teaching the Word of God in a Bible study, most all the Bible is here to hear. Two-thirds of your Bible covers from the tribulation to the millennium. The book of Revelation, obviously. The book of Ezekiel, the book of Isaiah, the book of Hosea, the book of Malachi, the book of Zechariah, the book of Habakkuk, all tribulation. All millennium. So if we're going to study together the book of Isaiah, you've got to understand he's talking about the tribulation. You've got to understand he's talking about God bringing the kingdom to Israel. You've got to understand it's not going to happen until that millennium comes. When the king, the peace, comes. The king of peace. And he sits down in the stone of his father David. And he says, no more war. No more famine. No more hunger. And he judges in righteousness and peace and honesty. I and I had planned to take you through some chapters on the millennium, show you how the lamb lays down with the, with the lion, show you how the child plays on the, on the asp and the adder's hole, take you and show you about the marvelous things of that kingdom. Do you realize the last eight chapters of the book of Ezekiel talk about nothing except the temple that God's going to build the millennium? Eight whole chapters talk about nothing except the building, going and making a read. God places importance on this stuff.
but nobody knows it. And it's, it's nice to say that doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm not going to be in the tribulation. I'll be in heaven. Praise the Lord. But if I'm going to know that Bible, that's what it's about. Most of that Bible is written to a Jew. So for me to lay a groundwork tonight, for me to lay a foundation, I have got to let you understand God's place for the Jew. There are two things every believer has to go through to have his feet, both feet on the ground. And I intend in the next year or so to go through both. Number one is a study of manuscript evidence in this book. You'll know the real thing from the perversions then. And number two, every Christian is going to church history. Because in church history, you see how all the deceit, all the bad doctrine, all the things came about. Every Christian is to see those two things. And so, 